the king that, that Zephaniah was speaking to. And, and um, before I just get into a little bit of background about Zephaniah, as we started the service, uh, it was from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. And this is what the Lord is saying to a group of, or a, a generation of believers who had a radical life change because of a prophet, because of a king, and because of a priest and priest, the priesthood that influenced for good. And there was radical change that took place in their life. How many, is there anybody here, you say, you know what, I need some radical changes take, to take place in my life? Some of you say, there's absolutely no way. I don't want any radical changes. I am quite content with how things are going. Um, and that's great. You know, if you're, if you're in that place where everything is the way it should be, I say, thank you, Lord. But in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, it says, The Lord your God in your midst. The Lord your God in your midst. You might say, oh, I, I don't know if I feel distant from the Lord or maybe I don't feel close or I, I've walked away from the Lord, um, or I've, I've let things come into my life that, are, uh, that would have pulled me away from the Lord. But it says here, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. And I just thank the Lord because this book is a book of judgment. The judgment is coming. And the beautiful thing is this, even as we hear judgment is coming and uh, we recognize the, uh, the mercy and grace of God just realizing judgment hasn't come yet. If judgment hasn't come yet, there is still time to change. And even in the, in the judgment, there is time uh, as we have breath that we can make the changes that we need to make in our lives, to make radical life change. So the Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. It'll be interesting. God is a God of, of worship. It says God is looking for those, for true worshipers, that will worship in spirit and in truth. Because God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You cannot worship any other way. We must worship in spirit and truth. And just recognizing as a child of God, the moment we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment we, we have life breathed into us is the moment that we can begin to worship in spirit because otherwise we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And so as we give our life to the Lord, there is this thing of being able to worship Him. It'll be interesting to know that there is a day coming, this thing, he will rejoice over you with singing. It's not a, a common passage. Think that, that God rejoices over you with singing? That must be a rejoicing. And, and just uh, sometimes we as parents, sometimes we've, we've sung a, a lullaby or some song to our, our, our children, our, our young children, when they were young, but to have the Lord rejoicing, glad over us to the point of I sing 
over you. This is the right place to be in. And sometimes it might be, as we examine ourselves, we, we might ask the question is, is the Lord singing over me? Would he sing over me? Would he rejoice over who I am? And tonight, we want to we look for what is it that we can do or what would cause perhaps the Lord not to rejoice and the things that we can possibly change in our life. When Jesus first began his ministry, it says in Mark chapter 1, it says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. May I say this? When we come and enter the kingdom of God, as we would enter the kingdom of God, there is only one way that we can get in through Jesus Christ. But it is something, there are two things that we must do. We cannot get away with just doing one. It says repent and believe in the gospel. If we do one, just one, if you repent, you will become a very, very good person. And you'll still fall short. If you don't repent and you place your faith in Jesus Christ and you hang on to sin, this is the issue that the, or the generation or the generations that were alive at, at Zephaniah's time at 620, 630 B.C., this is the state that they were in. They were in a place as children of God and because of the kings that went before or what have impacted their lives, we're talking 55 years, 55 years of wickedness. And so it, it had impacted generations. And here now, as judgment would come, the word of the Lord comes through Zephaniah. We cannot just be, well, I'm a child of God. As children of God, we can't be in that place without believing in the gospel and repenting. We must do both, repent and believe in the gospel. We can't hang on to a lifestyle of, of sin. So, by faith as we believe, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't say, Lord, I'm good enough to make it. It's by the grace of God that he extends to us. And as we believe in Jesus Christ, we have this gift of God of salvation. It's not of anything that we can do, lest we should boast. And then there, it says an interesting thing. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. When we first come to Christ, it is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's nothing that we have done. But there is this thing of I have to turn. I have to repent. I have to turn. There's also this aspect of believing in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. As a believer, may I say this, as a believer, 
we sometimes get to a place where we recognize I'm walking or I seem distant from God. Or there's things that creep into our lives. Sometimes it's the things of the past and we recognize, you know what? There are things in my life that should not be. Paul writes, interestingly enough, he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, which means you can be born of God, a child of God, alive in the Spirit, but it, there's this inference of that there's a possibility of not walking in the Spirit. It says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We're talking about our daily life walking in the Spirit. Those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is important. Hallelujah. All right, let's, let's just check out Zephaniah. Uh, some, a little bit of review here. Zephaniah was a descendant of Hezekiah. So he was only one of, of all the prophets. He was the only one that was of royal descent. So he was a relative. His great-great-grandfather was Hezekiah, a good king. Hezekiah's son, Manasseh, was the wick, most wicked king that ever reigned, whether the northern uh, kingdom or the southern kingdom. He was the most wicked of all the kings, and he was reigning for, I believe, 52 or 53 years. His son, Ammon, reigned for only two years, and the people, there was, they basically killed him. He was not a good king. He was a wicked king. And so we have this Ammon's uh, son, Josiah. The father was killed when Josiah was eight years of age. And the people put Josiah as king as eight, at eight years of age. And he ruled for 31 years. So Zephaniah and King Josiah, they were relatives, different mothers, but they, had, they were related, and they both had Hezekiah as their great-great-grandfather. I, I noted uh, a few weeks back that there's a possibility, one of the reasons that Zephaniah had an ear of even that young king, that because he was a cousin, if you would, uh, or a, a half-brother, probably would be better, uh, that there was this open, openness to, to have uh, the king's ear, to be able to speak to this young king. So Zephaniah would have been much older, uh, or would have been older by far than uh, Josiah, King Josiah. Zephaniah means... Yahweh hides or Yahweh has hidden. Yahweh being the self-existent one, the one that is Yahweh and that Yahweh has hidden. That's what his name means. And you might say, hidden from what? It's interesting that the name goes along with the word that is being spoken in Zephaniah 2 verse 1 to 3. With that first chapter of judgment, the Lord 
speaks by, by his spirit to Zephaniah to tell the nation, gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nation, these children of God. Before the decree is issued on the day or the day passes like chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. He says, gather together before the, the wrath of God is poured out that you would seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. The fact that he would hide you, even as the wrath of God would be poured out, there's a, a hiding of, of the nation as it would gather together before the day of the Lord and would seek the Lord. Hallelujah. And the amazing thing is, that's exactly what Zephaniah did. A little bit about Zephaniah and the fact... Uh, or actually Josiah, as he listened to Zephaniah. You have, you have this king, a very young king, being, being influenced by a prophet and also by the priesthood in, good, in a good way. And so today, we're going we're gonna to travel outside of Zephaniah to Second Chronicles. And in fact... Uh, first and second, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings ties in. And you sometimes you wonder, like, why? I think I just read something about this. If you're going through the Old Testament, but first and second Kings and first and second Samuel tie in with first and second Chronicles, which is the priestly view of history. Okay, so you you have. First and Second Samuel, which talks about uh, King Saul, King David, and Solomon, and you have, uh, or and also first beginning of First Kings, and then you have all the kings that that existed to both the Northern Kingdom when it split up, and the Southern Kingdom. All right, so you you have all these mentions back and forth between the, the northern and southern kings. And then you have First and Second Chronicles, which is the priest, the priestly perspective of these kings and what was happening, more so of the southern kingdom because it lasted much longer. So here we have, we're going we're gonna to take a, a little jump now over to Second uh, Chronicles 34. So we're talking very close to the end. There's not too many more chapters after chapter 34 and 35. We're going to get into this, and we're talking about a radical life or changes in our life that, are, that need to be radical. I know some of you might not like the word radical because we're talking drastic change. We need, at times, drastic change. And uh, if we're going to have radical change in our life, there is a thing about seeking God. We need to seek God. We need to humble ourselves. And we do need to deal radically with any things that have crept in of sin. And in this case, 
uh, when we look at uh, Josiah and the, the generation that was in, alive at that time, they're coming out of almost 55 years of wickedness. And we're talking the worst kind. And so there's this necessity. And I don't know where you guys, uh, all of you may have come from when it comes to your background. Some of you may, maybe you grew up in a Christian home or maybe you had uh, good influence. Uh, some of you may have come out of horrific backgrounds where you just say, man, our, my family was, was definitely not serving God. And so as we look at this, we're not just talking about one person necessarily, but we're talking about the influence of a person or a few people on an entire nation. You say, is that possible for me? Is there the possibility that I can influence my family, my friends, those that are around me, and more? And if we look at history, we recognize that if we make radical changes in our life for good, for God, for in humility, the amount of impact that we can have, not just on our immediate family, but on many that are around us. So, well, can that happen in me? Well, we see it here impacting an entire nation, an entire generation where the judgment of God was held off because of this repenting, this humbling of self, and the seeking of God. So, it is possible for our own lives as we examine ourselves. And I love the fact that you can read of an entire generation just in a few moments. So tonight we're going to be reading of, of this uh, man, this king, this young king that was influenced by a prophet, a man of God, and also by the priesthood that was around him. And we are, we are kings and priests unto God. And I, I just, I want to, I just want to make note uh, right off the top, the fact that in Revelations 1, it talks about that we are kings and priests unto God and the fact that it's plural. So just take a note of that and I'll get into that in a moment. So if you have your Bible, 2 Chronicles 34, 1 to 7, and starting at verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. And you'll note that anybody, any of the kings that did what was right before the, before the Lord, it always refers back to the, his father, David. So it doesn't matter how many generations it is. It doesn't say uh, Ammon. It doesn't say Manasseh. It doesn't say even Hezekiah, who was a good king. But it goes right back numerous generations to, at this point, almost 400 years prior to King David, who was so loved of the Lord, even though he was definitely, definitely flawed. So it says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Whose estimation is this of Josiah, that he did right in the sight of the Lord? Who, who is uh, making this evaluation? Anybody? 
the high priest. Okay. Anybody else? Who is making the evaluation that says he did that which was right before the Lord? It is God. It's, this word is all scripture is inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit. This is God's evaluation of Josiah. His life, in conclusion, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Lord, let that be me. Let my, if there's something in my life that should not be, let there be the change, a radical change, that, that the conclusion and the epitaph that is, is written of me, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And we have the opportunity to make changes as long as we are breathing and we are alive, we have an opportunity to make a brand new end. We might have messed up for a good section of our life, but we can make a brand new end. We do what was right. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of his father. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Anybody, what would that phrase be about? He didn't turn aside to the right hand or to the left. He wasn't distracted. He was not distracted. He wasn't pulled to the, to the right or to the left. Do, do we ever get sidetracked by things in our life? Sometimes things come up. And, and sometimes you know, we have to have a refocus and say like, oh my goodness, I've gone way off track. You know, if you take and you go, how many degrees are in, in 360 degrees in a circle, Right? You go off just a fraction of a degree. Can you imagine if they were targeting the moon with the, with the, the rocket, the, the, the spaceship, and they're just off a degree, just one degree. How far off they would be after that distance from the earth to the, to the moon? Just one degree and you're, you're way off course. Doesn't take long before you recognize how far off course you are. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That's God's general or overall conclusion of Josiah's life. Let that be upset about me, about us. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young. So if he started at eight and it was the eighth year of his reign, how old would he be? Sixteen. At sixteen years of age, he began to seek the God of his father, David. He wasn't like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to live as much as I can apart from God. And when I have time to settle down, then I'll settle down and I'll, I'll, I'll think about God. When he was 16 already, he was looking to the God of his father, David, to seek the Lord. That's a good thing. You want to have radical change in your life? Start to seek the Lord. In the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. We talked just briefly, I believe, last week about this. So at 20 years of age, so he started to seek the Lord at 16. By 20, he's recognizing you know what? There is a lot of stuff in this nation that I am king over 
that is not right before God. As we would seek the Lord and we say, Lord, I desire what you would have for us. There's a recognition there's a, and there's a realization. You know what? There's things in my life that sh do not belong. And I need to deal with them. And I need to deal with them radically. These high places, just so you have an idea what these high places were, were beautiful park areas. Like we're talking... You know, we, we have nice park areas along the, the Niagara uh, River and the Niagara Parks to, to manage all the way from Niagara-on-the-Lake. We're talking 42 kilometers to uh, Fort Erie. They manage that whole area along there, and it is rather beautiful. But can you imagine another level of these places, these high places? And I think one of the reasons that these high places were left and they didn't want to touch them was because they were so beautiful and yet in the midst of of the natural beauty were these wooden images carved images and molded images and it says they broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence and the incense altars which were above them he cut down and the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images, he broke in pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. The priests that, that had been before and had sacrificed, they chopped up all these things, and they, they were basically, the, the stuff that was going on was, we're talk, talking temple prostitution. We're talking... The, the sexual depravity that was going on and that people were interacting with the, the temple male prostitutes and female prostitutes that were there. This was all that was going on in these high places of wickedness. And these things that were there, these wooden images, they say had at first had been trees or that would represent fertility and later they, they got, as things got so depraved, and even to worship anything other than God is not right. But it's amazing how it got distorted to the point where these things became, there were basically the male sexual organ is what it was. That, these were the things that were cut up and chopped up and scattered, whether they were made of, of wood, whether they were carved, wood, molded images, they were broken into pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves with those who sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali and all around with axes. So the, the northern kingdom that was, had already been the people, from, for the most part, many of them were taken away. There was a, a remnant that had withdrawn from those, uh, those tribes, the 12 tribes, there were 10 of the tribes, were to the north for the northern kingdom. And a number of them, they ran, and they, they ran to southern kingdom, even though they were not part of it. But they ran, and they, so there was remnants left. And the things of, that were there, that, that, this would have been about 100 years prior, or 80, 90 years prior, the, the, the ten nations of the northern tribe uh, of, of Israel uh, was taken into captivity. And they, now 
with them that we say you know what i need to deal with this i cannot continue to allow these things in my life and to deal radically with sin so often there's this thing of ah we justify in this case oh look this is a beautiful high place parkland and so we're going to destroy the parkland you know i just you know, we, we'll, just, we, we'll leave these things in our life. The Lord is saying, we need to, the high places, we need to get rid of the high places. Things that we rather enjoy or would say, no, God would, it's okay that we keep these things. Here, Josiah, at 20 years of age, is purging. He is purging a radical reform we can't play with sin. As believers, as children of God, do not play with sin. This world, the things of this world, the things of the flesh, that we would let go of the sins that so easily beset us in our race, and our race of endurance as we run as children of God. This, it's a long distance race and we're coming close to the end. The Lord is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. As we go on, let me just say about, let me read that passage that I just referred to earlier a few moments ago. Revelations 1, 4 to 6. It says, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia. So not just one person. We're talking to the churches that were, these seven churches that actually existed 2,000 years ago in this Asia Minor. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Who is, who was, and who is to come. We know it's from, whether it's God at this point, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. So in this case, this who is and who was and who is to come, it is God, God the Father, or should be our Father, and from the seven spirits, or the Holy Spirit, who are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Listen. To Him who loved us, and washed us from our sins in His own blood, that's how we're cleansed, by faith, as we confess our sins, His blood washes us clean. Now listen. And this, I, I just, I've read this passage numerous times. And it's just today, as I was going over it, I recognize it. It's not, it has made us to be a king and priest, but it says, has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That we are kings and priests unto God, plural, as in, it's not just us, it's us we together as the body of Christ 
our kings and priests unto God together. And we'll see what they did together. It wasn't just the decision of one man or a few men. It was their decision. But you see in the following scripture in Second uh, Chronicles 34 of what they did together. And I find that so important. Just in the last few weeks, as we got together, one thing that came out of the 21 days of fasting was the fact that we were getting together almost on a daily basis, especially during the week, getting together on a daily basis. There was this, this thing of the opening up of individuals to each other to say, hey, this is an issue in my life. This is issue in my life. And there is, there, because we were together, there was this thing of not judgment, but rather a thing of support to say, you know what? Yeah, you, you need to continue on. Or yes, you're, do, you're doing right in this confessing of faults one to another. And look what happens in this 18th year of his reign, 26 years of age. This is Second Chronicles 34, 8. Look at how many people are involved, what they can do together, what we can do together as we're there for one another, to encourage one another, even as there's repentance that takes place, dealing radically with sin. There's times where we may come alongside each other to encourage. Sometimes there's a, a, a coming alongside, hey, listen, you know what? I'm missing you. I haven't seen you for a while. Or is everything all right? You might say, you know what? Yeah, I'm struggling. I'm, or I'm struggling in this area. This morning, as, uh, or on Monday night, I wasn't here, but I heard that there was an opening up. Hey, this is, I'm going through a hard time. One of the individuals opened up, just said, I'm going through a hard time. There's a spirit of heaviness that's on me. We, there would be a removing of the spirit of heaviness that's upon me. This is a good thing. When we, when we confess to one another and that there's a prayer for one another, especially when there's a need for desperate change in our lives and radical change as we seek the Lord and we come into the presence of the Lord and we humble ourselves and we recognize, Lord, here I am. Have your way in me. So in the 18th year of his reign at 26 years of age, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Jephan, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. When they came to Hilkiah the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites who kept the doors had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, or the remnant of the peoples that were left from the northern uh, tribes that didn't go into captivity, captivity, from all the remnant of Israel, from Judah and Benjamin, and which they had brought back to Jerusalem. And they put it in the hand of the foreman who had oversight of the house of the Lord. And they, be, and they gave it to the workmen who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and restore the house. They gave it to the craftsmen and the builders to buy hewn stone and timber for the beams and to the floor uh, or to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. 
and the men did work faithfully. Their overseers were Jahath and Obadiah, the Levites of the son of Merari, and Zechariah and Meshulam of the sons of the Kohathites to supervise. Others of the Levites, all of whom were skilled with instruments of music, were over the burden bearers, those that carried things, and were overseers of all who worked, did work in any kind of service. And some of the Levites were uh, scribes. In this case, we say scribes for what? To count accurately. Officers to write down and gatekeepers, individuals that were in position of trust to be watchful, to, to watch what came and left the temple to bring order to, to guard the temple, do, the, the temple gates. We, we hear of repairing that's done. Not just let me just say this, when it comes to repairing, we can do, in this case, it's, there's a physical repairing that's done, but there are times where we need to have uh, spiritual and emotional and mental repair being done to our lives. Unforgiveness is a nasty thing. So this, this decision, sometimes we have, I'm not going to forgive so-and-so and they've wronged me. And so there's a, a, a repair necessary to say, you know what, I cannot stay in that place. That needs to be removed from my life. Sometimes these things are, are, are physical uh, in nature, but also in, they're spiritual in nature as we make decisions to say, I, I'm not going to be, I need to change these things in my life. It talks about investing. It talks about even the, 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 the monies that, were, that came in to do the work of the Lord. I just want to say, I praise God for what we can do at this church because of your giving. And the amount of work that has been done over the decades and especially over the last number of years, it's like, thank you, Lord, for what we can do. I just mentioned last, uh, last time that uh, there's been 400 uh, video recordings that have been done since March of 2020. 400 that are online that a person can access. The time, the effort, I just say thank you, Lord, for the, the monies that, that have come in to do the work, whether it's in the church or whether it's outside the church, whether it's or to help others, as there's an investing of our tithes and our offerings. There was restoration taking place, a fixing, a restoring, and we see that uh, in people's lives. We see it uh, in this place. There's been a restoring, a restoration even of, of rooms physically. Um, uh, some of you had opportunity to take a little tour through the studio. It's not, it's not finished completely, but it's totally functional. And so... Uh, even now, there are individuals that are in the studio recording this service so that it can go out, that people can watch it. There was a buying and a building of materials uh, to do a work. And I, if I use this thing of the this, this studio, uh, we have cameras, we have lights and whatever just to get the word out. It says they were... The men did the work faithfully. There were overseers. There was this working together faithfully. May I say this? 
the the things that are happening in this church, every strand of ministry. You may say, what? What's what, what's a strand of ministry? It's a it's a, a grouping of ministries in one strand because they're related. And so some of the strands have to do with evangelism. Some of them have to do with, or another strand is of prayer force for prayer. A new believer strand for just new believers. Christian education, you're taking part in that tonight, is just another strand. There's a strand of benevolence of taking care of, of people, whether they're sick or whether they're, uh, there's a, a death in the family or there's a, a baby that's been born or there's a, the, the aspect that need, there's needs, being aware of those needs. There's a ministry strand for benevolence. Benevolence means the doing of good. And so there's things taken care of to do good. The maintenance of this building there's those that say, you know what, I'm going to work here. And all of these jobs are, are voluntary. Working together faithfully. The worship strand is, is another huge one. Uh, prayer force is a huge strand as well. Uh, but worship includes not just those that are on stage here that would lead in worship, but also the sound, the tech, the video, uh, things like... David's harp on top of that, and other things where we get involved in worship. Hospitality and fellowship. I mentioned just in a few weeks we're going to have uh, the Super Bowl Sunday to come together and uh, that we would bring others out. Just have a time of fellowship, enjoy the game, have an opportunity to hear about the goodness of God as the Lord would prepare Daniel's heart. It was interesting when I called him today. He says, you know, oh, Pastor, I'm glad you called because about two weeks ago, the Lord had already put on my heart that I, I should do something for the Super Bowl and to speak to whoever. And he says, this is confirmation. was excited about uh, being able to share at, uh, at the Super Bowl Sunday here at the church. So we're talking about these different things, different church ministries, uh, Avery's Truth Ministry for those that have different extreme needs and, and things that are, are binding it to be set free. Uh, Revive Niagara, Man Up, Women Walking Worthy, Worship in the Wild, Prayer Force. These are outreaches going out into the community. Uh, greeters, ushers. This is all from this church that you are a part of to be involved, how many people are involved for the sake of others. Say, yes, I need to be involved, that I wouldn't be uh, sidetracked to the left or the right, but that I would be radical about, Lord, what would you have me do? We are God's creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works that was prepared beforehand that we would walk in the things that God has created us to be. Lord, let me fulfill what you have for me. And th if there's things that are moving me to the right or to the left, let me be radical about them and say, no, I'm going to follow Jesus and the things of God. Let me get rid of these things in my life. There's a true repentance. There's a remorse and there's a turning from sin. In verse 14, it says, Now when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And some would say the actual writing by Moses, which would have been about seven or 800 years prior, was still intact 
that he had written or the things that had been written of God in the book of the law. Like we're talking Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers especially. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy were, were written. And here, so he found, they found, the, the scribe says, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. So Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing the king word, saying, all that was committed to your servants, they are doing. And they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. So everything that the Lord had said to Zephaniah that there should be judgment was coming, that they need to, to, to do some changes, radical changes, they were doing. And then they find the book of, of the law. The book of the law in the house of the Lord. And thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Hiakim the son of Japhen, and Abdon the son of Micah, Japhen the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of kings, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in, his book, in this book. And so he is concerned. He's saying, oh my goodness, we were supposed to do this and we didn't do it. And our, father, or our fathers didn't do it. And they're uh, the grandfathers. And, and so these kings going back had not kept this. And so there was judgment that is, was, was being read. And he, so he tore his clothes and there was a remorse. And he's saying, hey, go find out what, what's going to happen. So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalem, the son of Tokath, the son of Hezra, keeper of the wardrobe. And she dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter. And they spoke to her to that effect. Then she answered them. So speaking about, hey, what is the Lord saying? Is this judgment that is coming, what's going to happen? Because we have not kept the law. Our forefathers have not kept the law. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book, which they have read before the king of Judah. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And as we respond to seek the Lord, deal radically with sin in our life. Listen to what the word is for Josiah and that generation. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants and you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought back the word to the king.
because of one man, an entire generation, as long as he was alive, was spared the judgment to come. You know what? That we would be like Josiah. I have different people that I have to deal with one-on-one. -on -one. And I recognize the thing of pride and arrogance is a detriment to a person when it comes to their lives and having a radical life as in a good, solid life. And the judgment of God comes down because a person says, God will resist the proud and he gives grace to the humble. I have seen it again and again and again. Those that are of pride, God is against them. And he's resisting them. And as they would humble themselves, even the proud person, the arrogant person, and would just say, no, it's not my fault. It's that person's fault. God, it's your fault. But as they humble themselves, even if they started off on the wrong note, and they turn and they humble themselves, God gives grace to the humble. And he gave grace in this humility, in this remorse, in this repentance. And the Lord forgave, and he is merciful and gracious to us. That we would do the word as the Holy Spirit comes and convicts. That we would do. The king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book and the law of God. So there was an assembling together of the children of God. There's a speaking of the word. There was a hearing of the word. There was a determining and a choice to say, I will do the word of God. I will diligently serve the Lord, our God. And we would do that. We would follow the Lord God. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel. And he made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. Just one man. As he heeded the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I find it interesting, following right after that, there is like practically a whole chapter, a good chunk of the chapter, immediately talks about sacrifice. May I say this? To repent and not believe in the gospel, we're falling short. We need to believe in the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ. What good news? The fact that Jesus Christ died for us. His sacrifice. 
The very next thing. So here we're talking all about repentance. And now with the repentance, the very next chapter, the very next verse says, Now Josiah kept a Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the first month. That was the day of the Passover, the 14th day of the first month. They took the sheep on the 10th day, and they kept them for four days according to the word that God had given to Moses. It hit me, this is years ago, I've mentioned this a number of times. Why would they keep a lamb, the Passover lamb, one year old, and take the lamb on the 10th day? Why didn't they just take it on the 14th day? Why would they take it on the 10th day and have it for four days, and then they would slaughter it? Anybody? Sorry? To examine the, 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 the sheep that were perfect, or the lamb that was perfect? Okay, anybody else? They could have exa maybe examined on the 13th day or the 14th, right on the 14th. We can examine quickly if it's blind or lame or uh, one-year-old male, male. Why did they have the lamb for four days? Sorry? I don't know if you've ever seen young lambs. I'll tell you, they are much cuter than older lambs or sheep. I'll tell you, they are so cute. And I, I never saw one up until about, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago. I saw actually two of them. They're not round-shaped at all. They have longer legs that are proportionate to their bodies, not like these little sticks on the big barrel. We're talking, and they were jumping around like so excited. I saw two of them, and they're jumping up on the bales, and, and then they're jumping off, and they're so happy to be alive. So here now you have this little lamb in your house for four days, and your children are saying, hey, let's name little Lammy. There's little Sammy, the Lammy. And then the parents are saying, no, 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 don't, don't you get attached to this thing because they know the very first Passover, they know this thing is going to be slaughtered. And I'll tell you, there was this recognition of the sacrifice that we would have that attitude towards the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We get so used to the thing that, yeah, Jesus died for me on the cross to recognize it was the Lamb of God. It was the King of Kings. It was the Lord of Lords. It was the, the Creator of all things dying for us. And there's this recognition that I, there's an attachment of value and, and, and a love that's being established for this lamb that would be a sacrifice for them because the angel of death was coming over and if there wasn't the blood on the, on the lentil and on the doorpost, there would be death that would come to them and it was the lamb that caused for that, that angel of death to pass over them. So why it's called the Passover. The angel of death is passing over because of the sacrifice and the blood that was shed. And here, Josiah... Listen, the, the thing that he recognized in his remorse, and he's saying, we need to keep the Passover. 
And they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the first month. And he set the priests in their duties and encouraged them for the service of the house of the Lord. Then he said to the Levites who taught all Israel, who were holy to the Lord, put the holy ark in the house which Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. It shall no longer be a burden on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourself according to your father's houses, according to your divisions, following the written instruction of David, king of Israel, and the written instruction of Solomon, his son. And stand in the holy place according to the divisions of the father's houses of your brethren, the, the lay people, and according to the division of the father's houses of the Levites, which were the priesthood. So slaughter the Passover offerings, Consecrate yourselves. Lord, I consecrate myself to you. I yield myself to you. I give myself over to you. And prepare them for your brethren that they may do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Listen now. Then Josiah gave the lay people, not just the priesthood, but the lay people, just everybody that had come, lambs and young goats for, from the flock, all for Passover offerings for all who were present. We're not just talking one. To the number of 30,000. 30,000 that were brought for, for sacrifice, as well as 3,000 cattle. These were from the king's possessions. Josiah recognized the value of the sacrifice that we would recognize the value of the sacrifice when it comes to radical life change. We would recognize daily. That's why we have communion, a remembrance of what He did for us. That's why we come together as we would come together that there would be a heeding and an understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus for us. And His leaders gave willingly to the people, to the priests, to the Levites, Hilkiah, Zechariah, Jehiah, Jehiel, the rulers of the house of God, gave to the priests for the Passover offerings 2,600 from the flock and 300 cattle. Also, Conaniah, his brother, Shammai, and Nathanel, and Hashbabiah, and Jehiel, and Josabad, chief of the Levites, gave to the Levites for Passover offerings 5,000 from the flock and 500 cattle. Listen, sometimes we go over these names and we say, why write down the names? And once again, this is the Holy Spirit saying, these people were involved, they were critical, they were instrumental, they recognized the value of the sacrifice and they were giving. Here, this is for the sacrifice for the people, for the Levites who didn't have any belongings. And we recognize the importance of the sacrifice. So the service was prepared and the priests stood in their places and the Levites in their divisions according to the king's command. And they slaughtered the Passover offerings and the priests sprinkled the blood with their hands while the Levites skinned the animals. Then they removed the burnt offerings that they might give them to the divisions of the fathers' houses of the lay people to offer to the Lord as it is written in the book of Moses. And so they did with the cattle. Also they roasted the Passover offerings in the fire according to the ordinance. But the other holy offerings they boiled in pots and cauldrons and pans and divided them quickly among all the lay people. Then afterward they prepared portions for themselves and for the priests because the priests, the sons of Aaron, were busy and offering burnt offerings and fat until night. Therefore the Levites prepared portions for themselves and for the priests, the sons of Aaron, and the singers, the sons of Asaph, the sons of Asaph, 
were in their places according to the command of David, Asaph, Heman, and Jeth uh, Jeduthun, the king's seer. Also the gatekeepers were at each gate. They did not have to leave their position because their brethren, the Levites, prepared portions for them. And those that were watching and guarding the gates, they prepared portions for them according to the word. So all the service of the Lord was prepared the same day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord according to the command of King Josiah. And the children of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time and the feast of unleavened bread for seven days following that. There had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. And none of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept with the priests and the Levites, all Judah and Israel who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the 18th year of the reign of Josiah. This Passover was kept. Wow. 26 years of age. A young man, a good king. And here the Lord is writing of this one event that we would daily, just in the last week, the last few weeks, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord will be great amongst the Gentiles. Lord, this, I, I've been, when I get up in the morning, Jesus Christ and him crucified over me. Jesus Christ and him crucified over my wife. Jesus Christ and him crucified over our family and their children, their husbands. Jesus Christ and him crucified over my extended family and their children and their grandchildren. Jesus Christ and him crucified over my brothers and sisters here. Jesus Christ and him crucified over their family, whether saved or not. And over the, the, the churches of Niagara Falls and the body of Christ in Niagara region and over, on, uh, over Ontario and Canada and globally this morning. Just a simple thing as I was on my way to church here early in the morning to pray. And I'm praying this over you. The importance of the sacrifice of Jesus. I don't want to be turning to the right or to the left, but that I would be right on when it comes to who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross, that we would deal radically with the things that should not be in our life, that we would not make light of just saying, well, you know what, I'm just going to continue to do whatever, but that I would get things right and that I would recognize it is only by a sacrifice that there is a pleasing of the Lord God. It is only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You might say, is this for today? Is that New Testament? Colossians 1, 19 to 23. I'm going to read it and close. And I'm sorry to stay, keep you a little bit longer. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell in Jesus. And to him in Jesus to reconcile all things to himself, to the Father, by him, by Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. This is for today. This is not just for Zephaniah's time to stave off judgment. But it's for today. And you, 
Me, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled, brought to him, close to him, relationship in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith." grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. And here it is being preached 2,000 years later. You say, you know what? I will not deviate to the left or right, but my faith will be in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I will deal radically with the things in my life that don't belong, and I will not make light of what Jesus has done for us. In fact, that is where our faith will be. And the one that gave himself for us, that died for us daily so that we can be presented holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight because of what he did. I pray today, can we stand together? I pray today that we would be radical in our lives with the things that should not be the things maybe that are in our, is in our mind and our thinking, the things that maybe come out of our mouth that should not come out of our mouth, Lord, forgive me. I repent of the things that I've spoken against you, the things that I have not done which is right. Somebody's calling me from prison. So, let us pray at this time and pray for this brother or brothers. I'm not sure which one it is. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your mercy and grace to us because we are undeserving. Lord, as good as we could possibly be, man, we fall far short of your glory. And yet, because of your sacrifice for us, Lord, I pray that we would deal radically with the things that don't belong. Lord, forgive us of even if it's just thoughts that are not right before us or before you. Lord, even uh, uh, emotions and feelings that are not right, resentment and bitterness perhaps towards you. Lord, a word against you. Lord, forgive us even for words and definitely forgive us for actions that are not of you, where there's been a deviation, a, 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 a moving to the right or to the left, distractions in our life, and we take you very lightly. Forgive us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we'd recognize repentance is one thing. Lord, being, heeding your word and being obedient is is. is along the lines of repentance. But Lord, that we would recognize the sacrifice. Lord, without the sacrifice, Lord, the stains of sin, even though we might repent, the stain of sin is still there, Lord, and it, you wash away every stain by your blood. Every stain, every sin, every iniquity removed by your blood, even as we humble ourselves before you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be like King Josiah, heeding 
the word of the Lord, heeding the prophet, heeding, Lord, your, your commands. And Lord, just this remorse, Lord, you stave off judgment. In fact, Lord, you receive us as your children. And Lord, Zephaniah, as it ends off, it speaks of you singing. The Lord, our God, is in our midst. He is here tonight. The mighty one who can save us from the worst of sins. You save us. And you rejoice over us with gladness. And you quiet our heart and our mind and our soul and our spirit with your love. And you, would, you rejoice over us with singing. That would be said of us. Dave did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And each one of us, the Lord would say of us, he, she did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That we would repent and we would believe on your sacrifice. Believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, you receive us as your sons and your daughters. And you sing, you rejoice over us. Let it be in our lives. Let it be in our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name I pray. Pray this blessing over each one. We just thank you and we praise you. You're an amazing God. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. And we hope that the word you received was impactful and encouraging. We hope you can connect with us in person or online through our socials or website. Make sure you share this with others. And God bless you richly.